Welcome to the AM Global Podcast Series, addressing business concerns we face today. Today's conversation is with leaders in Alvarez and Marcel's healthcare industry group and global cyber risk services practice. They'll discuss the overall state of cybersecurity across different healthcare sectors, challenges they've faced, and new issues they've had to address as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome back to our second installment of our podcast on the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity across the healthcare industry. I'm Aaron Eichhorn, a Senior Director in the Healthcare Industry Group at Alvarez and Marcel, and I'm joined today by my colleagues, Ken Barrett, a Managing Director in the Healthcare Industry Group, a Senior Director, Ian Donner, with the Healthcare Industry Group, and by Managing Director, Rocco Grillo, with the Global Cyber Risk and Services Practice with Alvarez and Marcel. Thank you, everybody, for listening. During the pandemic, there's been a monumental shift to remote work. Not only are clinical visits being conducted via web and cameras, but I know in the finance area, almost all of the staff are working 100% remotely. So let me start with the question uh, for Ian. What added challenges does this create? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question, Aaron. Thank you. You know, it begins to separate the end users from the physical barriers and and a lot of the security that's put into place at the actual work location. And so it shifts the end user uh, really to more of a virtual environment. And so by shifting from on location at the office where you have parameterized security measures and, and, and known controls, it really starts to expose the organization to a set of personal devices and technologies that isn't in the purview of the security controls that the employer can put into place. It also exposes employers to locations beyond your home, right? As folks work in public locations, whether it's sitting outside a coffee shop, library, or things of that nature, the number of controls that can be enforced by the employer becomes limited to some extent. And it starts to really shift the responsibility further on the end user to apply a set of reasonable cautions to secure the devices, utilize the security provided by the employer, like virtual private networks and things of that nature. And the security posture becomes increasingly more complex as you introduce family members into that ecosystem. So it really, again, it shifts the responsibility further to the end user, and it makes us all become a steward of securing the information and, and making sure we're following the necessary protocols and procedures that are typically required by an employer. Thanks, Ian. I think that really highlights the uh, added challenges of working remotely. I'll put the next question for Rocco. What can health systems do to combat the risks that Ian outlined? I think one of the biggest things that Healthcare systems can do holistically is be better prepared, proactive. We've, you know, said the term uh, cyber resilience in a, a number of manners. And I think the first piece is let's just look at our employees. The employees are the Achilles heel of any security awareness program. I think right out of the gate, we've got to make sure our employees are educated that they're trained, especially in the middle of the pandemic, the proverbial situation awareness and the ability, not only the ability, but the instinct to report potential issues immediately, especially if it's something along the lines of they see suspicious activity on their systems, on their, their PC, 
wait and see issues, even, you know, ultimately if they've clicked on a link. Um, while it's not a good thing, not reporting it really exacerbates the situation. Along the lines of education still, awareness. These things happen. They're not just theory. They're not just a myth that happens in the papers. These are actual things that happen to the organizations themselves. And you don't have to look too far to see whether they're peers or the health system themselves that they work for, that they may have suffered an incident. Penetration testing, fishing, exercises, things of that nature, one step further. It's not going to prevent attacks from happening, but if they know in advance where exposures are, they can remediate them and limit the exposures that they have. Incident response planning, it's right there, hand in hand with cyber resilience. We're never going to have the crystal ball, but at the same time, we play like we practice. Having that plan is critical. Testing that plan is equally important. We can have the best plan in the world updated, but if we don't know if it works, you know, whether it's a car, an airplane, business continuity, fire drills, same exact scenario. We have to play these scenarios out, whether it's ransomware, whether it's an external attack, whether it's an attack on a third-party service provider that's hosting our data. So while I said earlier we're never going to have the crystal ball, there's a number of different threat vectors. And what we encourage clients to do is maintain a catalog of not only their most critical assets, but their most critical risks and play those out in scenarios that can test their incident response plans. Thanks, Rocco. Let me follow up with a very common question that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about. Apps. I read a report that the average person has 100 apps installed on their phone. I know when I go to the doctor, every physician and every health system is asking me to download an app to store my medical record information, access my medical record, pay my bills via the medical record or system app. Does this change the approach for systems and security? It meets my needs, but I'm trying to want to get your perspective of what this does for the health system's needs for security. I think it goes back to what we said earlier, employees being the Achilles heel of any security program. When you're opening up your network or your business operations to individuals, whether they're employees, patients, customers, whatever you'd like to call them. It's a two-way street there, and everyone is in the same game. So if they're getting access to applications, whether it's something that can expose the institution or the health system itself or their, their own data individually, need to make sure that individuals are uh, aware, are trained. And you, know, you look at what a lot of companies are doing and stressing how important security is to them and trying to use that as a differentiator when they reach out to patients on how they keep their information safe and secure. That same education needs to be extended beyond and really comes down to people process technology. You could have all the security training in the world internally and externally, but at the same time, the health system, while they're going to deliver the proverbial patient experience, customer experience, they need to ensure that while we're going to make things convenient, we have that balanced with the right controls to secure the process or the system that's going to be delivering this patient experience. Thank you, Rocco. You know, so that brings to mind kind of another question, and I'll put this one for Ian. 
We talked earlier about how 40 million healthcare records were breached in 2019. Why are healthcare records breached so much more frequently than banking information? I mean, this seems counterintuitive. The target of the hackers would seemingly be financial information or even access to the transferring funds out of bank accounts. Why is there such a focus on healthcare record information? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you would think that, um, but as we were kind of talking earlier about ransomware and really the value of healthcare data, it starts to sort of resonate as to, to why healthcare is targeted so frequently. You know, just by way of background, healthcare has traditionally been a laggard when it comes to technology relative to other industries, especially financial services. I've seen in some situations that healthcare companies are operating 10 to 15 years behind other industries. There's a good reason why, and given the sensitivity of healthcare information, there's been a lot of intense regulatory requirements, which has left to an increased focus on the security of customer data and seemingly at the expense of innovation and experimentation. What I mean by that is, you know, healthcare has and will continue to be highly regulated. And with that, it does cause a level of sensitivity and caution as it relates to leveraging technology and innovation to circumvent security. And so that creates a, a very kind of complex situation and an opportunity, frankly, for threats in a way that banking and, and financial institutions have been able to combat a little bit more proactively using uh, technology and, and processes and innovation to to circumvent up front. Thanks. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the impact of COVID-19 and its effect on uh, information technology. Let's shift gears a little bit, take a strategic perspective for the last few questions. I'll start with you, Ian. From a strategic perspective, what should healthcare organizations be focused on to better serve their patients, their consumers, their stakeholders, while balancing the technology concerns and security risks that you've outlined? Yeah, and, and as Rocco was mentioning earlier, you know, it is a people process technology uh, opportunity, and, and I tend to encapsulate that in establishing a security architecture and an ecosystem of those people, process, and technologies that balances security with agility. So it's important that you're developing an approach that, that really gives you the ability to react to trends and market dynamics, but at the same time, establishing a 360-degree guard post to help protect the organization. Secondly, there needs to be an increased focus on enabling mobility, which is vital to how companies are digitizing and moving in the 21st century, but while also securing devices and creating an environment that centers around the consumer, but protects their information while you give them access and the ability to serve further in the community and leveraging the mobile accessibility that technology provides today. Great. I'll put the next question for Rocco. Are there new challenges for organizations that have been created at the onset of COVID-19, new cybersecurity issues, new types of attacks that we haven't yet discussed? I think the big piece is what we're all going through right now is the work remote, the hybrid environment. And we talked earlier about what does that mean? Well, first, you know, companies that were trying to stable their environment, their business operations, making sure their employees and their families are safe. The next piece was how do we get operational while you know, we've gone from being in a corporate environment to remote in the blink of an eye, whether it's 
hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees for some companies. And with that, the end users have this mindset of, I need to get my responsibility carried out. I need to get my tasks completed. What companies have done is jumped in and really started to leverage technologies that in the four walls of the corporate environment they would not have, but in the same breath, accelerate in their digital transformation, being able to access systems from anywhere, anytime, off of various devices. In a lot of instances, I think one of the blind spots is while we're able to work remotely on our corporate-issued devices, there may be instances where if I can't get to something, someone's going to grab a personal device, a personal tablet, or even in other instances, trying to print from home and Wi-Fi may be restricted on their corporate PC. So while there's policies in place, employees have the drive that they need to get their tasks completed. There may be times where things are getting circumvented. So I think that is more on the tactical side where what are some of the exposures? You've got attackers that are preying on situations like that. How can we get into these corporate environments? Well, now you've got a, a hotbed of individual endpoints that are remote that you can exploit. Another one that we're seeing a lot of, not something so much new, but it's skyrocketed, uh, business email compromises, payments. You used to have situations where companies would challenge by walking down the hall and asking the controller or someone in finance, did you issue this payment request? Now they're remote. And again, having to go through that stop, that extra step, well, I can't walk down the hall. I can't pick the person's phone up. I may not have the person's cell phone right at my fingertips. Those are the extra preventions that need to go into place. And I'll tell you as much as, you know, I'm just reading off some best practices here. We're in the middle of a number of investigations that are going on like that, where an end company has either been hit by fraud or they or their end supplier has been hacked. So that's another area that continues to skyrocket. And I think in, you know, as it relates to COVID, we went from relief payment types of payment frauds to now, you know, you look at vaccines, R&D, pharmaceutical companies that are being targeted for the vaccines themselves, nation state attacks. You've got government agencies that are issuing alerts that this kind of activity is going on. So I think those are a handful of the different pieces. And then even moving forward, I said earlier, companies are accelerating their digital transformation. Some of them, maybe it's a situation of they were planning to roll out these new technologies. At the same time, there's others that they have to do it now because if they don't, if they're not able to operate like this, the company's going to be left behind. I'll throw leverage in technology and accelerate in digital transformation to one sentence. Technology is good, but it's like fire. Fire is good as well. But if you don't manage fire the same way if you don't manage technology, it can be chaos. It can be catastrophic in many instances as well. Right. So, you know, I thought Ian made a great point earlier saying that some healthcare systems are 10 or 15 years behind from a technological perspective. So let me put that question to you, Rocco. What are you seeing outside of the healthcare industry that we could learn from? Give us positive or negative. Give us some perspective of what systems can learn from. Well, I, I think the biggest piece that we've learned over the years and even as we go into the future, you can't protect everything. The second piece is it's not the end of the world if you're hit with a cyber attack. The biggest piece, as I mentioned earlier, is being better prepared, being proactive, 
And I think you could go through any industry and everyone is vulnerable, whether in the financial services space, you've got financial records, you've got obviously financial funds and a number of other types of data from a regulatory perspective. In the retail world, you know, credit cards jump out at you, but more reliance now on e-commerce systems. You, you go through the holiday season as we're going through right now, and you know there's been the enormous shift. You see the numbers that have gone through the roof, how much people are relying on online shopping and that type of thing. Well, guess who else sees those trends as well? As much as companies are doing well and they're they're watching the revenues go up through e-commerce purchase online, whatever you'd like to call it, the attackers know that that's where they follow the money and that's another area that they're going to go to. Whether it's manufacturing, consumer products, whatever industry it is, ransomware attacks, attacks on supply chains, attacks on manufacturing plants. I think, you know, the positive side of that is what we're seeing companies do, the more mature companies across the different industries, inventory and their most critical assets, as I said earlier, coupled with their biggest exposures and trying to mitigate those risks. And I think back to your earlier point that healthcare systems may not have the most up-to-date technologies in a lot of instances, it may be legacy systems, antiquated systems. You're, you're not going to find a blank check for healthcare systems to buy whatever technology they need. And I think what healthcare systems, any organization, whatever industry they're in, they need to take a step back, take an inventory of what their most critical assets are, the ones that will really bring their, their organization, company, enterprise to its knees. And while you may not have unlimited funding or not unlimited personnel to support an initiative, do it from the reverse end, the most critical asset to the next number of assets that focus your biggest attention on those and then build from there on you know, really building cyber resilience for your organization. Thanks, Rocco. And thanks, Ian. You've both given us quite a lot of information to digest and with, uh, information that healthcare systems can use to improve, be better prepared for the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity. Let's put our final question for Ken. Ken, can you give us some real-life examples of client issues related to the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity and or other technological challenges that you've dealt with over the course of your career? Yeah, unfortunately, in, in 2020, there's been a couple of our clients that have been affected quite dramatically. First is a large publicly traded healthcare services company, and they were attacked with by a ransomware. And as the ransomware got behind their firewalls and started to proliferate on a flat architecture, uh, the only recourse was to shut down all servers and data centers to prevent the spread. They avoided having to pay ransomware. Uh, they were able to shut down, but it cost some areas of their company over a week's worth of operations and productivity as they brought each system up system by system, restored from backups, isolated and removed the threat. So a very costly uh, disruption. It raised red flags with their customers. It raised flags with regulatory agencies. And the cost of the recovery was quite significant. Uh, another example of a client was a large regional health system uh, that actually, again, suffer ransomware attack. 
And in this particular case, it was successful in locking up all their systems to the point that they had to pay to get that removed. You know, a couple of things to note on on these these recent examples. Um, one, bad people that perpetuate these types of attacks, um, they don't rest regardless of COVID and what's going on in the world. If anything, they see it as an opportunity. The second thing, you know, that was learned uh, from this is the amount of investment that needs to be had in getting audited and testing the security of your systems. Uh, you can't underestimate because if you were to talk to the CEO and boards, as I have, of the two companies I just mentioned, they'll tell you if they known what they knew now, they would have made much more investments because the business case in terms of the cost of recovery, the cost to to patients and customers, and the cost to now what they need to do to bring their, their security up far exceeds what would have happened to take some of the preventive measures and install some of the controls that would have been necessary on the front end. The last thing I'll say about the current environment and just how it affects is security is, is got to be embedded into the culture of, of the organizations. I think in both cases, the CEOs would tell you they had it represented, but it wasn't necessarily embedded within the office of the CEO. So in one of our clients' cases, They've actually moved to institute a chief risk officer that reports directly to the CEO, has reporting obligations to the board, and now orchestrates security as a cultural component across IT, HR, the broader business, so that it becomes the part of the way the company manages risk from a cultural perspective. Yeah, hindsight really is 2020. Thank you, Ken. Let's turn it to the future. We've seen the COVID-19 cases ebb and flow in the summer. It's gone down. Now there's a resurgence, maybe in certain parts of the country more than others. Is there anything extra or different that you think organizations should do as the cases ebb and flow? Yeah, I think there's a, a, a couple of things that need to be thought through from, from a security perspective. First, there's going to continue to be a remote workforce that's going to be using their homes as offices and being able to secure those access points, being able to drive home equipment such as laptops need to be protected, especially if they're in administrative roles or billing roles with the health systems is absolutely critical. And also understand that those are entry points for folks that want to perpetuate external threats, intrusion, ransomware, and being able to early identify that. As COVID cases increase, there also becomes a concern about the privacy of the individual and the different reporting requirements and things that, that happen. And as we're seeing in overflow situations, it's becoming very, very tricky, right, to secure people from a PHI perspective. So one of the things that I think is our lessons learned here that systems are going to have to think about is training, reinforcement of communications, really making sure that there's two points of control and that there's somebody from a quality and a risk management and compliance perspective constantly assessing the risk, constantly assessing what exposure points could be had. Because as much as COVID is obviously a global concern, a national concern, it creates its own unique set of risks and in weakness points that need to be monitored and reviewed by, by health systems. 
And sometimes when you're in the throes of the moment, you forget about the governance and oversight that you got to continue to to have even in a crisis situation. Thanks again for our panelists, Ken, Ian, and Rocco. Really appreciate you taking the time to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on cybersecurity. And we look forward to connecting with you again on future podcasts. Alvarez and Marcel. Leadership. Action. Results.